And so, um, guys, what they're hearing out there about the church, a lot of it's not God. And I tell you where that changes. It changes not with the media. It doesn't even change with our denominational structures per se. It changes with me and it changes with you. So what has to happen? Well, it's all, I really think everything's tidy and obviously this morning as we talk about all this. It, it starts with a genuine hunger and thirst for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not something that we demand everybody else to have. It is something that I need. And when that begins to take root within our hearts, um, it can certainly make all the difference within a church and within the body of Christ. And outside of these walls... Our scripture, uh, we're going to be jumping around to a couple of different passages. But for our reading, I want to read us Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17, and read down through verse 24. And ask uh, when you find that passage of Ephesians 4, if you'll stand in our God's honor. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds." And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. God, we come hungry. um, We come thirsty. We need you. You have told us that I am the bread of life. And when we taste of you, our hearts are filled And uh, that's our longing today. Uh, Father, we're not interested in just a fun worship service or um, music that moves our hearts or preaching that gives us um, a little outline that we can take home. We're interested in meeting God. And I I pray, Father, that uh, you would do that because that simply is something we can't plan. Um, we can put our hearts in a place where we're ready or think we're ready, but only you, Father, 
can turn us your direction. Do that, Lord. Uh, I think you already have. I uh, have sensed as we have worshipped, Father, that you are here. And just continue that. I don't want to mess that up, God. So uh, I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to be evident as we long for you. In whose name we pray. Amen. Speaking about perception, uh, I had ran across an article very dear to my heart here of late, of course, about grandparents and the way grandchildren perceive their grandparents. And I'll just share a couple of examples with you because sometimes it's nice to know. Just how do these little kids view their grandparents? What, what do they see through their eyes? And here's just a couple of examples. Um, one grandmother said, My young grandson called the other day to wish me a happy birthday. He asked me how old I was, and I told him I'm 62. My grandson was quiet for a moment and then asked, Did you start at one? <laughs> Another grandmother talking about her granddaughter, she was explaining what her childhood was like. She said, we used to skate outside on the pond in the winter. I had a swing made from a tire and it hung from a tree in our front yard. We rode our pony almost every day and we picked wild raspberries in the woods. Her granddaughter was wide-eyed, taking it all in. And she said, Granny, I sure wish I had gotten to know you sooner. Like, you sound like you were so much more fun then. (laughs) A couple of more. uh, One grandmother, she sent in a story. She said... After putting my grandchildren to bed, I changed in some old jeans and an old shirt and proceeded to wash my hair in the sink. And She said, as I heard the grandchildren getting more and more rambunctious, I lost my patience, threw a towel around my head, stormed into the room, chased them back to bed with some stern warnings. As I left the room, I heard the three-year-old ask her siblings with a trembling voice, Who was that? A grandson was visiting with his grandfather one afternoon. He seemed to be quietly studying his grandfather. He blurted out, Grandpa, do you do you know how you and God are alike? Well, the grandfather, he was a little puffed up. He thought, he sees Jesus in me. Sees I'm like God. Got the little halo kind of floating around there if you could look close enough. But anyway, um, <laughs> he, he said, No, how are God and me alike? And the boy said, You're both really old. (laughs) And then one more. Uh, One more. Uh, A four-year-old was asked where his grandmother lived. He said, she lives at the airport. When we want her, we go get her. And when we're done with her, we just take her back. (laughs) Just melts your heart, makes you laugh. But on another notion, how do people perceive the church? And I'm not talking about this building where we meet, the meeting house of God's people. I'm talking about you. You see, the Bible says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You are God's children. We are all His family, and we share Jesus. But what do people think? What do people think? Well, for some, they don't care at all about the church. They don't see it as anything of significance. Others just 
as uh, Vance Habner used to say, the Holly and Lily Christians that, you know, just come at Christmas and Easter. Some who come only to be married and buried there. And then there are others that the church exists, but they don't know why. Why do they get up so early on Sunday morning when they could sleep in? Or why don't they go play golf? Why do they go to the church? Why? Still, others think the church exists, but quite honestly, it gets in their way to stop what they want to do. I recently read of a two-year commission in England where many of the religious leaders, the Christian, well, in name only, as far as I'm concerned, leaders said Britain is no longer a Christian country and Britain should stop acting like they are. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, some other rabbis, leading pastors, Priests of the Church of England said we should shed our Anglican claims. And what the Bible has to say and respect the religion of the many. As a matter of fact, when a new king or queen goes through a coordination, part of that time is where these words are quoted. This pledge is made. That it is a promise to uphold the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel of Jesus 